Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm Mike Chipos, man. I got this, yeah. episode 20 who thought we'd make it this far literally no one but we're here and we're going to keep going and we will be here till episode 120 so hopefully you're along for the ride today we got a full panel and i'm sure you can guess it before we even get into it there's one person missing the usual the rest is here danny how you feeling tonight feeling great uh just watched a great win from nick maximov diaz academy guy submission underground vet and his future is bright. Let's see if he gets a contract. We'll find out live during the podcast. Love to hear it. Dan also is dressed and sharp tonight, so it's probably for the podcast, even though you're going to claim it's for your job. But it's for us. Kobe, the analyst, how are you? Or not the analyst, the aggregate. Country I was going to say, did I get upgraded to analyst? I'm doing good, No, though. you didn't. No, you're, you're just country club Kobe as far as we're concerned. And then literally I saved him for last because he is my third favorite person here. Max, the great shiner. How are we? Great. Yeah, great. Like it. how are we? What's up, ankle pickers? Excited about this week's card. Pay-per-view card for November. Let's fire up. Got a couple We're of amped. We all give each other our time, but we fucking love this podcast. We appreciate all the support. We are amped up beyond belief. Our Twitter is going nuts right now, by the way. We got retweeted by... Marlins man a little while ago and then most recently we got retweeted by Ben Askren a little crypto question I knew he'd bite and he took it it's all about knowing your people so our Twitter's bumping if you want news from anywhere from crypto to any other random garbage please go follow us there at ankle pick mainly we just troll fighters we troll Danny especially if you want to really see someone troll fighters there's some beef going on between MMA capper DK and uh, Tim Elliott. So if you if you actually want entertainment, that is we're never gonna get Tim Elliott on this pod. I'll tell you that much. No matter how big we get, but we also probably wouldn't want him. So that's also a thing. So before I get bogged down, we're gonna get into the recap. So this week the prelim card only had four fights, and we happened to be riding two of them. So the first one was a heavyweight bout: Dantel Mays versus. Uh, Roki Martinez, and that was one that Danny called right out. I mean, he knew it. I added it to one of my parlays. Danny saw that one coming, and the one thing that was apparent to me was the size difference. I'm sure Dan was aware of that. Oh, for sure. Dante Mays looked just like a different athlete than Roque there. The 8-inch height advantage was what I was looking at, not to mention that Roque was carrying around a belly the size of a toddler. Uh, this was a mismatch <laughs> for sure in athleticism. And an easy pick. Also, if you Google image a picture of a toddler, and then you also Google image a picture of Roki Martinez, it is many toddlers. It is it is quite a few toddlers. He is a he's got a lot of jelly, as Danny would call it, around the gut. The one thing that that was most glaring to me, and for all those who watched this weekend, was the size difference between Dantel Mays and Roki Martinez. It was it was so it looked like they were fighting in different divisions, and that alone made the two fifty line that Danny pointed out. Uh, enticing, at least for me. So I added it to a parlay per Danny's request. But that fight overall, I would have liked to finish there, but 
uh, it was a decisive win no matter what. The next fight was Alex Morono versus Reese McKee. Alex Morono is one of my favorite fighters, and I actually think I'm going to try to get him on this podcast. I've been following him for a long time. And he's a guy who, although he's not hungry to necessarily become a champion or the best, he just is such a purist and loves the sport. I recently watched an interview on MMA Junkie, and he had some amazing words to say about not only his opponent, but his fight, and, and he recently lost his brother, which is always tough to hear. And so um, he has a good story, and he's got a he's got a gym down in, I believe it's actually Austin, Texas. So, yeah, you guys, we got a lot of Texians down in this. I'm actually the only Chicagoan. So if you wanted to hit up Morono's gym, you could. We have a perennial show contender in Danny, so maybe we can get him over to Danny, dude. Yeah. I would come down, visit, and we just bombard Morono's gym just for a good time. He's a great guy, and his interview over on MMA Junkie just shows how big a class act he is. And then the thing that he added in his interview, and that's the thing I really want to touch on, is he really pieced apart this Reese McKee. He just absolutely was hitting him with overhand rights nonstop, and they were just the commentators kept talking about how good of a chin Reese McKee has. And he was saying when he was in the UFC, he was fighting guys who also were just barely in the UFC. And Reese McKee, due to the COVID era and whatnot, he fought Hazmat, Chimaev, and now he fought Alex Morono, who's at 11 fights. And so even though Alex Morono is not like a massive name, he's got a lot of experience in this sport. And so he was pleading with Mick Maynard and Dana White to not necessarily cut him, but to maybe give Reese McKee a fight to really prove his worth in the UFC, which I'm... I really am excited to see. Moving on quickly, bantamweight fight, Geraldo De Freitas Jr. versus Tony Gravely. Danny, you said Geraldo was a potential live dog. He he had points, but the wrestling of Gravely just seemed to be too much. I know I mentioned it to y'all. I, I, this is actually the only fight of the card I didn't watch. It was a it was a questionable split decision to say the best. I mean, it was not really close. Gravely dominated the takedowns, and it was. It wasn't that great of a fight, but it really showed Gravely's wrestling prowess, and I wish Freitas was able to throw more on the ground. He looked complacent. To cap off the prelims, we had Random Marcos versus Kanako Murata. Uh, I know Shiner said he, he placed a friendly bet on Marcos. Marcos was a dog. She's now 10, 11, and 1 in the UFC, or in MMA as a whole. I don't know how much longer she's gotten here. I know women's division's thin, but she's sub-500. That's That's tough. She's been around for a while, still a name that's recognizable in terms of, like, her being on any given card. But, yeah, three straight losses, all the younger fighters. You can say she has faced some good uh, some good opponents in Hibas, Dern, and Murata, her last three. But, yeah, you need dubs. You need dubs. Yeah, you do. And the fight wasn't anything to write home about either, so I really don't want to get too bogged down on that. We actually had three women's fights this week. Not terrible, but... Still more than you'd like to see on a nine-fight card. Using that, I'm going to parlay that into the, the main card. It started off with Kay Hansen versus Corey McKenna. My fade team alpha male trick didn't work, but I still think it did. I had Kay Hansen decisively. I truly was shocked by this decision. I would love to hear what the panel had to say about that fight and how what their cards looked like. Oh, definitely. I also had Kay Hansen. This decision cost me the pretty penny. Kay Hansen definitely won two of those rounds. The whole world had her winning two of those rounds. At the end, Corey McKenna had to be carried out of the ring because yeah. of her leg being torn up. I don't see how Kay didn't win that fight. Kay's back Me to too. training. Kay was posting on Twitter today that she's back in the gym. Uh, her, 
she's absolutely like injury free, blemish free, black eye free. Meanwhile, Corey McKenna had to be carried out of the ring. Like, yeah, right. and that cost me a lot of money too. And again, it's the same reason why I always feed te- fade Team Alpha Males. I didn't love their game plan going into this fight, and I truly thought they lost this fight. I really do. So I'd love to see those judges' scorecards. I know sometimes they get posted, but that one was a bummer for a lot of parlays. The next fight was a catchweight bout. I believe it was at 195, which is a lot heavier for these guys. And this is one that cost all of us, but also you ankle pickers, a good deal of cash. And and this was one that I really wanted to explain on the pod because the game plan out of Brendan Allen was so terrible. His, his The level of grappling he has is some of the best in the, the respective division. But the thing I want to add is Sean Strickland had a, a really bad motorcycle accident. And he was talking about how his knee is really fucked up from it, and he trains. He wants to strike. Imagine a pressure grappler putting a lot of pressure on that knee, looking to put you down and compromise your knee. It goes a lot farther than a guy who's looking to strike with someone who's a technically better striker. So I was disappointed with the game plan, but I still stand by the bet. Yeah, I know so you wrote with us too. What about Brendan Allen, who, as we were talking about off the air, he actually just got ranked by ESPN as the fifth best fighter under 25. An interesting note is that he was scheduled to fight last week, which we also were thinking about maybe making him the ankle lock last week. But that fight was at 185. So you have to imagine he did cut some weight or was at least getting into some sort of fight shape last week. And then taking a fight back up weight against someone who's going to be able to cut more from a higher amount, meaning Allen might have been at 200, cutting down to 85, whereas Sean Strickland might have been 210, 215, cutting down to 195. It's interesting. A lot of these MMA managers are just kind of looking for any fight, especially in COVID. But I think that was an interesting little note to this fight. No, I, I really like that take. It really is. And, and what you brought up about ESPN top fighters under 25 – I think that's the big thing that all of us need to write home about is the 25 part. I love experience when I'm looking at people to cap, and I think that that played a lot into his, his, his game plan. Because if you're going into a fight, and especially when you're under 25 and you're a top prospect and people love you, you think you can beat anybody. Sean Strickland, regardless of how much time he took off, is a better striker. And if your strength is getting it to the ground, I would have liked, I would have liked to see at least one shoot. I know sometimes you get denied or sometimes it takes a while to set up, but just taking one shot to show that at least it's an option for you might even help you in the striking game. And that that was just so tough for me to see. That fight Damn. also ended a long win streak for Brendan Allen as well. He had a win over Kevin Holland in the UFC early in October 2019. So he probably will get a step down in competition in his next bout in order to keep his prospect uh, name moving along ranks, but I mean, again, he's 24 years old. We're, we're going to hear from Brendan Allen again, no doubt about it. 100%. And the thing that I love about these young guys when they, they have questionable losses or questionable decisions is it ends up being better for them and their longevity of their career because they can take so much away from that loss. And he's a competitor. He'll be back. When we pick our ankle locks, Dan and I really get in depth and talk about it, and I know Dan was with me. I would love to hear your opinion on how this fight went and what you saw pre-fight that was different from what you saw during the fight. I expected I expected this fight to go to the mat, and the game plan of Brendan Allen was just lacking. I don't know if that's a Duke Rufus thing. 
it definitely set off a bad momentum train into the main event, but I expected more from Brendan Allen. Yeah. And I, not so much in a in a heart standpoint because he put his heart on the line. I expected him to have a better strategy. And a lot of people just they just think that a lot of this game is just who's got better striking, who's got better grappling, who's got but so much of it is game plan and experience, more than people realize. So anyways, I I hope that helps you swallow the ankle loss, but uh, I, I assure you that thinking was right. It just doesn't always play out how we'd like. Moving on was a women's strawweight bout. Ashley Yoder versus Miranda Granger. This is one that I capitalized on, and I believe in the main event challenge as well. And the reason why is because the line was was fishy to me. We had a 7-1 Miranda Granger against a barely 500 Ashley Yoder at 7-6, and, and the line opened up close to even. As the week went on, I realized that I think of the experience factor and the UFC factor – played heavily for Yoder, uh, which will be a recurring theme here, is, is how much I love the experience and who they fought. And so that was one that I personally had, and that was strictly line-based. The fight as a whole was slow. It was just one that I saw opportunity in the line. It worked well. Moving on to the co-main, this is one that I hope everyone listening caught. Yep, and I'm going to I'm gonna tee this one right off to Shiner after the intro. It was Abdul Razak Khalasan versus Chaos Williams. So Shiner... First and foremost, Abdul Razak al-Hassan sucks. He probably should not be in the UFC. Do not take take this as a, I'm hating on Munir Lizaz or Chaos Williams, but you miss weight, two fights in a row, 170. Something's got to change, and you you get two losses as a favorite. Okay, first off. Second off, Chaos Williams is a fucking stud athlete. The guy is incredibly explosive, and he's got absolute hands. And what made me more confident than ever in this bet was while Al-Hassan was walking to the ring, did you guys see Chaos Williams full-out stare down from when he when Al-Hassan entered the apex to when he got into the ring, no smile, no emotion. He's going to get a bigger, uh, bigger test in his next fight. This was a good litmus test. If you're a prospect, you get a, a relatively well-known name, a guy who's been on Fight Island already. I'm really excited to see Chaos Williams got an incredibly marketable name, and that was some money made this past Saturday. I mean, that's back-to-back knockouts within 30 seconds. He's got himself a future in in terms of marketability for sure, but the guy hits like a truck. I'd love to see him continue on and fight someone tough. And his interview also was awesome. I mean, he was basically saying, give me more names. I mean, he's, he's an awesome guy. I, I just want to justify my reasoning quick, and I want to give people a little window into what I, what I pick my fights on. When I'm taping and looking into fights and figuring out where I'm going to put my, my units, and I take this stuff way more seriously than I probably should. When I was taping these two, I saw Chaos Williams is a guy who did exactly what Shiner called for and knew was going to happen. He rushes forward. He throws heavy bombs. And I thought a guy that had the striking caliber and experience like Abdul and the power of Abdul would staunch this guy. As he works his way up through the division, his style will hurt him. It reminds me of a uh, of an old-school Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson had to change camps before he realized how to fully utilize his talents. It's very similar. Derek Brunson used to go in, full head of blazing, throwing heavy fists, and it cost him a lot of fights that he could win. 
You also like much comma worthy a little bit as well. Very similar body mm. types in, yeah. in a more modern sense as well. Yeah, comma worthy was a dog in his first couple, similar to chaos. I think chaos is a little heavier, but it to me when I was taping, I just I I, I looked at the striking. Not necessarily the power. I knew this was going to end in a knockout. We all did. We talked about it last week how it's going to be a quick one. I just thought that the bum rush forward wouldn't work on a guy like Abdul. I will admit when I was wrong, I was wrong. He caught him right on the button, and it was one of the more vicious knockouts we've seen in a while. Cass just but found the button first strike yeah. right away. Yeah. I, it's it, it was right on the chin. It was great. Main event, lightweight bout, RDA, who... God damn, this guy's a great fighter. Versus Paul Felder, who is an absolute legend for taking this bout on five days' notice, making weight, absolute gamer. And then not only that, I just want to add for those who are watching after Tuesday Night Contender Series, which is recording as we're taping this, is calling these Tuesday Night Contender Series fights. Absolute legend. Um, he had a really heartfelt thing, too, for those who don't know. Paul Felder lost his dad. I believe it was to pancreatic cancer, but... It was. It, I remember it being really tough for him, and and he spoke about it. And such a legend he is, and so it's tough to see him lose. But it was a great fight nonetheless. So RDA Felder, unbelievable performance again against a top talent like Paul Felder. He moved back down to light heavy or lightweight from Welter. I really am excited to hear where everyone thinks RDA goes from here because his performance to me was phenomenal phenomenal yeah rda looks phenomenal his game plan looked terrific y'all two more so shiner or sour that you lost on the main event challenge and are trying to throw shade at a guy like me who was steadfast on rda the matchup was great for him it's the first time he hasn't been against a pressure wrestler in a while and he showed up he absolutely picked Paul Felder apart. I had him winning all five rounds. I know there's one judge who was a stupid idiot, but RDA, let's go. This is one of those things that why Danny, I know, is kind of against the main event challenge, but I had Felder in the main event challenge come when we recorded, and then by the time we were posting picks, I found myself betting RDA. So it's like that weird, as the week goes, we kind of figure out where our chips lie, but RDA looked great. I truly, and I, with Khabib stepping away, I truly think RDA might be able to capture gold, recapture gold. I really do. I really do. You know, it would be a crazy fight, and I don't know if he would take this because of the name, but Charles Oliveira, RDA, for like, uh, is RDA actually a title contender? Because I think Thank Oliveira you. is right now. We were talking so about Oli- it a couple weeks ago. Where 155 stands, Chandler, Ferguson, Dustin, Connor, there's so many names. Khabib, whatever happens to him, Gaethje. I feel like RDA needs to get a tier three win. I don't put Felder yet in the contenders block, but I think RDA needs one more win, one more quality win in the division before I'm like, he's really a serious contender for a belt. Felder was ranked in the top seven, actually top six until this, and he's still top eight. He's definitely in that contender picture. So then, Danny, who do you have? Who do you have RDA fighting next? And how many fights do you have until he fights for the belt? I think that RDA deserves that Connor fight. It's been canceled twice. Dude. RDA deserves the red panty night. He's gonna Connor's have to wait until after dust. No way is that happening. I think that Connor, Connor really is. doesn't want that. 
So no in the chance. same way that Connor took Cowboy, I think that it's a great matchup for both. RDA makes a fucking oh. sack, and Connor gets an easy win. Bro, easy win? At, let's let's just go off Instagram followers. Go Cowboy versus RDA. Get the hell out of here. RDA is not fighting Connor anytime soon. Maybe in two fights. I know Connor likes it from a fighting standpoint, but Connor also says he likes a lot of fights from a fighting standpoint, and he only fights those big names. In the he doesn't fight is what it really comes down True, to. True, but yeah. no, when I, he does I, fight, it's for I think that RDA deserves that paycheck. It's been canceled too many times. He totally no. deserves it, yes. We all agree with that. I just, yeah. I think RDA wants gold, and I think there's a lot of paths for him to get there. It's just like, I like I always said, I said it last week, he's like that, that in-betweener type fighter. He never really found his weight class. And so when you look at a guy like Dan Hooker, he's going to give up reach. Connor, give up reach. Tony's great on the ground. He's giving up reach almost everywhere. Almost everywhere. But what about a, what about a formal, former title holder versus a former title holder? And you go Michael Chandler, RDA. Give Chandler a tough fight, not the prettiest one. At some point, he's going to have to fight. He's not just going to be a talker and a weight cutter for well, I know, I know, I know. Michael Chandler's been talking with Tony, which we might get into the news of the week. But yes, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of spots for RDA to go. Felder, I know he's talked about retirement, but he also can kind of go wherever he wants. He's a great name, great guy. He's an absolute gamer. He, I don't think he ever captures gold. Actually, I know he won't ever capture gold. But I think he's a guy who can be, who can fight as long as he wants to fight. And, and Reese, I have one more question just for you. Yeah, is Felder fighting on five days notice? And then him calling the fight, because that's kind of also part of this, calling tonight's fights three days after going five rounds. Where does this rank in, like, all-time MMA badass? Oh, dude, it's, oh, my God. People are sitting here giving Jorge Masvidal and, and Nate Diaz MMA badass awards, and those guys are badass. Paul Felder is an absolute gamer. Dude, he punctured his lung in that Dan Hooker fight, fought two more rounds. No bucks given. He's a guy that... In or outside the octagon, I really do root for him and hope he stays in this sport for a long time to come. Yeah, he's and I think he's a, a really good analyst too. He is. He knows like, a ton about dude. He knows a shitload about this sport. Fight Mook. Fight Mook. Yeah, for those Sunny fans out there, we're big Sunny fans over here. And uh, him and Cerrone on that Fight Milk game still use it to this day. True story. That was last week's card. Overall, it was short but good. A lot of finishes. A lot of full fights. I actually did get my fix, and I wasn't sure after all the cancellations. So this is the time of the week where I gave it off to Danny and Max for news of the week. So I think that I'm going to kick it off with the biggest news. It happened this afternoon only. A scheduled fight in the 145-pound featherweight division. A fight that I called out right after Cater fought Dan Ige on maybe our second and third or third episode of the podcast to see who is truly the best boxer in the featherweight division we've got calvin cater versus max holloway and a quick note on that as well max holloway started as a minus 135 favorite he's now down to 180 but if it stays under 200 i will be absolutely fucking hammering max holloway See, I like the other side. I, I think that as it steams up, I'll be hitting Calvin Cater. Good thing we got some Malord in Austin, and good thing we got some Malord in Chicago, baby. Yep. Danny, what are the other fights that we uh, we found out about this week? So the next one I have on my list is Uriah Hall versus Chris Weidman, too. I know they fought a couple, maybe a decade ago. 
before even either of them were in the UFC. And now that both of them are over the hill, this is an even more interesting matchup in my head. These are two guys that I love to fade, both of them. But Me too. I think that Reese alluded to it. I'll be I'll be against Chris Weidman. I am with you too. He'll get pieced up on the feet for sure. And lastly, the news that I have is Fabrizio Verdum, Hall of Famer or future Hall of Famer. Definitely. He signed with the PFL uh, by Cavallo in the PFL. Let's see if he can take over that heavyweight well, strap. What seen for those who've been in the sport for a while or just even follow the sport as close as all of, all of us do. It seems like all these other promotions just get the guys who are who have run their course in the UFC. I mean, Bellator for sure. When you look at that heavyweight Grand Prix, it's literally just like X UFC, X UFC, X UFC, all over forty. It's like let's watch old men fight for a little while. It's crazy to me. But yeah, hey, whatever sells. Yeah, name sell. Way off of that, Reese. To my next news and note, Bellator happens to have a great card coming up on Thursday. They do. Co-main and main, I literally pinged Kobe during this, and I said, if you watch Contender Series, you like MMA enough to need to watch these this co-main and main. Co-main, Jason Jackson, former training partner of Kamaru and Gilbert Burns, against Benson Henderson. It's a good fight. And then AJ yeah. McKee, arguably the most talented fighter on the Bellator roster, taking on former champion Darian Caldwell in the main no, event. No, there's a lot to be desired in that card. And the thing that's great about those cards, too, is it's on Paramount. I believe it's on DAZN. This fight game, the more – I mean, it used to be one card every two months. Now we're really starting to pick up. Bellator is really starting to come around. And I got one more news to note, and this might be more on a personal front, but I know Danny alluded to this a couple weeks ago. In LFA on Saturday, a guy named Alex Pajeda is fighting. And he's a minus 650 favorite. Alex Pajeda, if you guys have not listened to our earlier episodes, is the only fighter on earth to knock out Israel Adesanya, and he did so in kickboxing. So he's making his MMA, I don't know if it's his MMA debut or his major promotion debut uh, with LFA on Saturday. I will definitely be taking a look at that. It is his MMA debut, and on top of that knockout, he's actually beaten Izzy twice, once by decision and once by brutal knockout, where he put Izzy stiff on his back so we'll see where he goes from here i mean izzy seemed to adapt amazingly um and so we'll see the other thing too another fight just quickly on the bellator card is jeremy kennedy he's an ex-ufc vet a guy that i used to like a lot and he kind of just disappeared so i'm excited to see what he has to offer and see where he's been he's sitting at a massive 450 dog or favorite so i'm sure he's probably going to stouch this guy but um Jeremy Kennedy's another guy to look out for. He might end up on a, the UFC roster yet again. And last but not least, just a quick thing. Baby Slice, Kimbo Slice's son, is on the Bellator card this get week. Get the fuck out of here. True story. Are we auto-betting Baby Slice? Wait, who who is it? It's oh, Kevin, Kevin Ferguson, Ferguson Jr.? Jr.? Yeah, minus 290. So we will come back after this break. Yeah. Bang. Welcome back, Angle Pickers. We hope you enjoy our quick ad run that we didn't get paid anything for and will not be inserted there. We are back. We took a quick drink break, pee break. We'll take break. ads, by the way. I, know, I, think, at Ankle Pick I think Shiner had a quick... We'll talk uh, to CFO Shiner. Yeah, Shiner's got instincts for us. At Bernetti's Bagels, we will sell bagels for you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's not get too far back. So, <laughs> moving forward, me and Dan, after last week, we had a top ankle pick loss. 
with Brendan Allen, we hit the drawing board hard, hard in the last couple days. And we have come together and concluded a dog again. And I know everyone's like, oh, fuck, a dog again. You guys can't pick dogs to save your life. This one we're confident on. We're going with Tim Dirty Bird Means to get the W against mentally unstable Mike Perry. And I feel really good about this one. I'm parlaying it. I had a couple. I, if anyone listened to the point five, 19.5 episode, I went in-depth about how these lines are off. I actually had Tim as the favorite. Damn, I'm really liking this one. This one's my favorite. And I will post the bet slip to prove it. Yeah, I agree with you. We're going to break it down a little bit more. But for starters, Perry's going to have only in his corner Abe Kawa, his manager, and his pregnant girlfriend, Latori. Wildly not talented, shit up. <laughs> but equally wild outside the ring. Yeah, he's struggling a lot. He has assault charges. He is. He complains about owing the government money because he didn't know what taxes were. He's all over the place. He doesn't think he needs a corner. And the real tipping point for me that put me on Dirty Bird this week was that Mike Perry made Mickey Gall look competitive. When you start making Mickey Gall look competitive, man, the only thing I can say is that's tough. That is tough. So that is the ankle lock of the week, guys. It's early in the week when you're listening to this. Fire that one away. I imagine that will steam in the wrong direction. Tim Dirty Bird's meaning the plus line there against mentally unstable Mike Perry is a great bet. A great bet. We are going to touch on the prelims quickly. There's a lot this card, and beware, there's a lot that are probably going to get canceled from now until then. It seemingly happens week in and week out, not only with COVID, but also injuries. It's weird. So, Dan, you, you're going to uh, start us off with actually the, the curtain opener for the prelims, early prelims. Yeah, so for the first fight of the night, for the curtain jerker as a name that we've mentioned a lot, we've got one of the Cosi brothers, Louis Cosi. In my opinion, him and his brother are two of the best prospects that the welterweight division has. We're going to see see Orion or hear Orion in an interview in a couple weeks. But I actually don't tell him I think that Lewis is the better of the two brothers. Oh, man, that's tough. Why would you say that? Why would you say that? He has so many first-round finishes. I don't see that trend stopping here. First round KO, Lewis Kosey over Sasha Palatnikov. Sasha is just not a UFC talent. He's a COVID talent. Lewis Kosey is the dude. Yeah. First and round. Just really quickly, the line on that guy is Kosey minus 410. So the Sharps and the betters in the world agree. Vegas as well. Open to 365, so it might be a parlay ad, but I, I doubt they straight up Plus value. 105 as well if Danny's looking for even money. There you go. So continuing up the prelim card, there's a lot of good fights on this card, but there are also some question ones. This one's one I'm actually betting, so I want to touch on it quick. It's a middleweight bout between Kyle Dawkins and Dustin Stol- Stolfus. I like Kyle Dawkins here. I believe Danny said he liked the over. Maybe you – yeah, Dan, you said you liked the over in that one. I so, did. I did. Yeah, I like Dawkins. I don't think he's been tested yet in the UFC, and I think it's going to continue to be that way. I think he's going to make some quick work of this guy. 13-1, and one, though, so it's something to look out for. Dan likes the over. Both guys are pretty technically sound. Um, yeah, so the way I see this is Stoltzfus has really good wrestling. He has a background with decent striking, and his Dana Whiteken series was kind of a freak injury with that slam. And not to take that win away from him because it was great, and he's a great grappler. Uh, looking at his resume, he has a twister on it. 
But at the other side of the ring, Dawkins is also a great grappler with five darts chokes and a ton of other submission wins. And looking at his tape, he's an unbelievable defensive grappler. I see this going to a decision with both of them kind of having an answer for the other one's A game. And yeah, so I like I, the over two and a half here. I really like that take out of Dan. Like, I, I agree with everything he had to say. The over looks nice, but I, I really do like Dawkins too. He, he steamed all the way up to minus 310. I got him closer to minus 250 range, so it really does pay to listen to our early Sunday or late Sunday night. Comes out early Mondays, usually the .5 episodes where we really break down the lines. I, I had him as early as then. He, he was one of those instant picks for me. So value to be had if you listen to our earlier podcast, but regardless, we really do appreciate all the listeners. So capping off the prelims is a guy that I've been tracking for a long time. I believe the rest of the pod has too. Fights pretty infrequently, though, in the model, Alan Joban. He's fighting a guy named Jaron Gooden. Uh, I believe, Shiner, you you have some interest in this one. Yeah, I'm a Joban fan in this one. Jared Gooden making his UFC debut. A couple notable names he's fought in his past. Michael Graves of Ultimate Fighter, and I think he had a little bit of a UFC career as well. That's really the most prominent name um, to his record, who he actually lost to as well. Alan Joban is a guy who's fought a lot of big, big names. A guy who's been in the UFC since 2014. He's a slight favorite. He's been a slight favorite in his last couple fights that he's taken some L's in. But those names, again, Gunnar Nelson, Nico Price, Dwight Graham. Yeah, I remember that Gunnar Nelson. Went over Mike Perry. Sure. I'm going to take Joe Bad. I just like the value in, in a veteran. But yeah. this will not be a part of the parlay of the week because sure. I have refined the strategy. So Joe Joe Bond's gonna the theme of the the uh, the, the podcast over and over again on my end t- tends to be experience and Joe Ban has that he's got a good fight IQ so we'll see if he utilizes that this week that fight's gonna be good it opened at one hundred five ended at forty five then we get on so that's just the early prelims we get under the prelims we're gonna continue to kind of truck along here but these fights seem to be really good this week I'm excited for this card we had a welterweight bout. Daniel D-Rod Rodriguez versus Nicholas Dalby. Kobe, I know, is instantly on D-Rod. He doesn't have a choice in the matter, but we got a 13-1 D-Rod against 18-4 Dalby. It's a welterweight bout. Should be decently exciting and one that you probably don't want to miss. The line is minus 320 for D-Rod, though. So, again, probably a little too steep to bet, but, hey, who knows. Continuing along, we got someone who's in the co-main. Valentina Shevchenko, her sister, Antina Shevchenko against Ariana Lipsky. That one I'm excited about because they both have names in the sport. Shevchenko, the, the sister, Antina, she's got a big Muay Thai background. And I was listening to Valentina, if you guys watch Embedded, talk about how they fought on the same Muay Thai card. First time they've ever fought on the same UFC card. That one's going to be exciting. And I think that one's also pretty close to even. It is. It's Shevchenko minus 155 and Lipsky plus 135. So that's one that just to watch the future where that division goes, it's worth tuning into. Continuing along, we got a middleweight bout. Joaquin Buckley versus Jordan Wright. This one's going to be, my prediction is the top fight of the prelims. Buckley just had that high leg KO against Impa, and he usually gives up range. And then you got a newcomer, but he's 11-0 in Jordan Wright. And this one's going to be exciting. China, I know you're all over Buckley, I want to say, but I'm not sure. Yeah. So not only am I in Buckley just because of his last fight, which obviously made him into a complete star, but I like the names he fought uh, earlier in his career. I'm, a, I'm honestly, guys, I'm becoming a big Kevin Holland guy. 
Kevin Allen did beat Joaquin Buckley earlier in his career, actually the fight before Impa. But, I mean, it's must-see TV. Tune in. We're just going to continue trucking along. We're going to do the flyweight bout, which is another one I'm extremely excited about. The prelim main event, Brandon Moreno versus Brandon Royval. This one's exciting because Royval's kind of popped onto the scene pretty quickly. Brandon Moreno got cut from the UFC when Dana was trying to demolish the flyweight division. He has since come back and been on a run. I'm actually really excited for that fight. I More than I thought I would be. I don't necessarily have a bet in that one. It's currently Brandon Moreno minus 190, Brandon Ravel plus 165. So a decent discrepancy there. So a lot of people before this uh, card was booked, a lot of people had Moreno next in line over Perez for this title shot. And clearly McMaynard and Sean Shelby disagreed. And as do I. Uh, Moreno is a great Mexican-style boxing. He will push forward and lead the dance on his front foot. I expect him to have more output here and an advantage if this reaches the judges' scorecards. On the other side, Royval has looked absolutely phenomenal in his last couple fights, disposing of Kai Car France and Tim Elliott. I think if this fight hits the mat, Royval has a major edge Although he says he doesn't want to wrestle, I think that it's going to hit the mat at some point. And a statement win here for either guy could mean a a title shot next, leapfrogging Cody Garbrandt. I don't know how healthy he is. I actually think that Roy Bell is going to get it done here by sub. I really think that he's he's been looking so impressive when this fight hits the mat. He's so quick. He's long. I think that he'll be able to stand with Moreno as he presses forward, and I think that he'll look great on the mat. A 5-9 flyaway with ground game? I am all about it, DK. We were talking about it earlier, our prop of the week. I will be throwing money on Brandon Royval, but him to win by submission right now is plus 360. And we talk about making money on this podcast. There is value there, no doubt about it. I'm seeing it even as high as plus 400. Wow. I don't know. I'm going to admit my take here because I really don't know yet. I The range is always nice, but it's all about how you utilize it. Moreno's got quite the striking game. So this, though, is the part of the podcast that everyone seems to love, and I know Shiner's a big fan of it because he's the mastermind behind it. It's the main event challenge, and the rankings are getting dicey here, too, which is the best part about it. Kobe has a commanding Vegas lead, as Country Club Kobe is one to do, so we're just going to, you know, Stop throwing shade his way. The rest of us, though, are all fucking globbed together in the middle, trying to chase twenty points ahead of or twenty points behind Country Club Kobe. Kobe, go through the standings, which I know you have. Ten points separating second to fourth place. One twenty-four Parker, one twenty-eight Shiner, one thirty-one Reese, one thirty-four DK, and one fifty-five for Vegas. Although I will say, of the four fights that <laughs> ended up. There was four fights that ended up going as planned that we had picked for the main event challenge come last Wednesday when we made our picks. Favorites went one and three. So last week we were talking about how the favorites were doing so hot. We about that no stat, longer. Yeah. Yep. So you knew there was going to be a regression in the mean, and we got it last week, but it seems like it didn't affect Kobe in the rankings whatsoever. So let's try to see if Kobe might throw us a curveball, maybe pick a dog, maybe two this week to mix it up and have fun with the game. But he's country club, and I I doubt he'll do that. So starting off, we're going to go with a random order yet again. We'll go around the wheel, and I need to put Kobe on the hot seat, and I hopefully hope he fades me because I got some underdog pick this week. It's a five-fight main card. 
and it's it's honestly got some big big names on it. We're starting off with the light heavyweight uh, Mauricio Shogun Hua versus Paul Craig. This is one if you listen to our earlier podcast we were talking about, and it's two guys who Paul Craig has pretty much zero striking game whatsoever and is a big grappling guy loves to get submissions actually by loves i mean he only gets submissions shogun's a veteran of the sport he's a brazilian he's got the ability to strike even though he's old and decrepit and if you slit his throat the only thing that come out is dust i don't care i'm still on shogun even though he's a dog at kobe putting my chips in your court I'm going to go Shogun Hua by decision. I imagine him to, he's going to be able to fend off the takedowns. He's talented. I don't think he's going to be able to fend off the subs. He's got that. He's got the background for it. I think he's going to be able to win, get the better of him on the feet, and they'll end up going into a decision. So I'm going to go Shogun by decision. I'm sticking with the favorite. Bearjew, right? Paul Craig, decision. Bearjew by decision. Danny, where are you? So after re this is this is a rematch, and after rewatching their first fight, I was pretty surprised. It was exactly opposite of what I would have thought. I would have thought that Paul Craig had the advantage on the ground, and that Shogun had the advantage on the feet. And Paul Craig was actually piecing him up in round one on the ground, and then pulled guard in round two, and got ground and pounded with hammer fists the whole round. And so, I don't exactly know where each of these guys are going with their game plan. It's definitely a coin flip for me. I'm going to go with the legend Shogun Hua by decision with you, Reese, because I don't see Paul Craig being able to submit him. And I think that Listen that's to his, the cappers. Listen and I think that cappers. that's his best way to for victory. And I, so I think Shogun Hua is going to be able to pull out a victory here. He looked a little bit quicker and a little bit yeah. in better camp in his last fight than he did versus Paul Craig. And I'm hoping that that trend continues. I'm glad you added that. And he's on the better side of uh, 40 at 38. Shiner, let's hear it. Where are you at? So if I were Parker Rios, I would take the draw <laughs> in this fight because of them two fighting to a draw last time. But with that being said, I got the Israeli baseball hat on. I'm throwing it off. I'm going Shogun by decision as well. Let's oh, my go. God. Losing my mind. Three of the panel on the dog and the legend Shogun Hua. Shiner just ditched that Israeli hat. Kobe, Country Club Kobe, screw you. Let's go Shogun Hua. Bing, bada, boom. Continuing forward, here's the thing that's amazing. Is we're all going to pick up points on Kobe, and this is about to get a lot tighter of a race. Continuing along on the card, we got a flyweight bout. Danny's worst enemy, Caitlin Jukakian, against... Cynthia, really not hot Calvio. I'll go first, and this one's really easy for me. This is one of my plays. You will see it on our graphic. It is one I cannot avoid. I think that if you listen to our earlier pod, you know how my feelings are cakey, and I like her. She's actually oddly attractive. But she's got the wrong mindset. She doesn't want to fight. She's looking to have a kid. She's looking at retirement. She just got liver punched twice by Andrade. I got Cynthia Calvillo, and I have it by decision. Kobe, I know you're probably going the same way because that's what Vegas thinks, but let's hear it. Maybe you'll surprise me. Yeah, I'm on Calvillo by decision. I can't pick Jukagian after that Andrade fight. Understood. No no hate there. But can Danny? No, Danny can't. Danny hates her. Let's not put words in his mouth. Caitlin Kagan 
is the reason why I've sworn off women's MMA. I'll go with Kobe here. I'll go with the numbers. Go with Vegas. Cynthia Calvillo decision. A, I think he had Chukagian before we just gave him shit there. I'm going Calvillo decision as well. Chukagian was less of an underdog against Andrade than she is coming up on Saturday against Calvillo. That's yeah. like the Andrade Chukagian fight was almost a pick 'em, and this is Chukagian's plus two twenty. So just an interesting note there. Yeah, I agree. I I really do like that one to bet. So you're not going to get a lot of diversity here. We're all on Calvillo decision. That one, unfortunately, the Calvillo line has steamed all the way up to minus 260, so there might be some value on decision. We'll find out later in the week when we post our plays. Now we have the ankle pick lock fight, Mike Perry against Tim Means over at Welterweight. I'll start it off. You already know where I'm at. No matter where I was, I have to ride it now. But I was on Tim Dirty Bird Means against mentally unstable Mike Perry. I love Dirty Bird here. I think that his experience is going to play a factor. I think his striking is much better than people think. And I really think that Mike Perry is on another planet. I mean, he's trying to figure out taxes. He's auctioning off his corner. He's not taking the sport seriously. He... He's a guy who has raw ability. He entered the UFC at like 9 or 10-0 and 0 and was flash-knocking out guys like crazy. And since then, he has absolutely steamed down. He's Although he's fighting top-level talent like Vicente Luque and Santiago Ponzinibbio and, and people of that caliber, Tim means by decision because Mike Perry doesn't get knocked out. Kobe, go ahead. Sign me up for the 4-2 and two ankle lock. Tim means decision. That's his dog pick. I like it. This is going to suck in terms of content. I haven't strayed strayed away from Reese all night. I'm on Tim Means by decision. Obviously, it's our ankle lock. Obviously. Just rip it off like a Band-Aid. Platinum Mike Perry has been all but platinum. I don't see this going any other way than Tim Means picking him apart. The random order where Reese puts me towards the end where I have an opportunity to take a favorite and to go against the rest of the pod. The only reason why I am doing so is Mike Parody is from Flint, Michigan. And I know that Sparty Nation coming out of Flint, Michigan, Mike Perry by decision. Okay, now this this is going to be the like quickest one. So let's just roll through this because let's not play games. I got Valentina Shevchenko versus Jennifer Maia. Uh, I've been doing nicknames all night, so it's Valentina the Murder Shevchenko versus Jennifer. I have no business being here, Maia. I'm excited for this one, but like I said, she has no business being here. The line currently sits at Valentina minus 1,300, and the worst part, the worst part is that is low. And so I, I, I this is for a belt, so I, I, it is five rounds. I, I would be surprised if Valentina didn't finish this on the feet. I'm going to go Shevchenko by KOTKO. Reese told me a couple of podcasts ago to open up a open parlay as many spots nope. as possible and just put Valentina in there as many times as possible. Yeah, Valentina and Amanda Nunes, unlimited times. I got Valentina by strikes. My only analysis of this fight is I worry for the United States of America, because I truly think that Bullet Valentina Shevchenko is a spy. Not only she is an expert martial artist, 
She is fluent in four languages. She is a weapons expert with a pilot license. There's no way that she is not a foreign asset. Valentina Shevchenko by strikes, and hopefully she doesn't take down American government. <laughs> Valentina Shevchenko could definitely play a James Bond villain chick character. No doubt about it. She also is good-looking as well. Interesting note, minus 1,300. You're like, oh, there's no value in Valentina. Valentina by knockouts, a pick play right now. <laughs> Valentina Shevchenko is the most dangerous sub-135 fighter in the UFC on the female divisions. I'm going to take her by knockout as well. I also might play minus 110 just for a heads up as well. Valentina decision is plus 210. Valentina sub plus 515. Plus 515. No, dude, that's dirty. That might be in the parlay. It's a good play. I mean, Valentina, they ain't going to lose. They're not going to lose. No. Against Jennifer Meyer? Are you kidding me? One interesting note on Shevchenko, too. Every time she beats another uh, contender at 125, it's like, oh, we want to see the Nunes fight again. We want to see the Nunes fight again. I am so fine with Valentina just being, like, the best 130 and below female fighter. I don't need to see her fight Nunes. Nunes is way, way, way bigger than her. Yeah, the fights are competitive, but, like, I want to see her just continue to annihilate. Nunes is way bigger. There's a lot of question in the community of who actually won the fight because a lot of people say it could have easily been Valentina. And the other thing, too, is Valentina, in my opinion, out of every single weight class and every single champion, is the most dominant over everyone else in their division. And with you. maybe you can make a case for Amanda Nunes and Featherweight because it's so thin, but I'm saying like real filled out divisions. No one's going to even come close to touching Valentina, and that's going to continue this this week. So now this is where it's going to get sticky. I'm excited to see it. We're going into the main event. It's a flyweight bout against Deverson Figueroa versus Alex Perez. This one's going to be a great fight. I don't think a ton of people are super amped up about it due to it being a flyweight fight and not as big of names as people would like this is gonna be a really really good competitive fight i'm beyond excited to see it i'll tee us off here and i'm gonna take another dog another dog and i'm gonna take alex perez i think alex perez is way more lethal than anyone really gives credit for and i really think he can get the job done now figgy's a well-rounded fighter danny's pointed it out many times he's a complete mixed martial artist and i agree completely it's it sucks taking a guy that's plus two fifty in the main event challenge, but the truth of the matter is, is I'm gonna be betting him, and I I really think he has a chance to win. What's enticing me is the line. I I gotta take it. I I gotta take Perez, and I'm gonna do it by KOTKL. I think I'm gonna go Perez KOTKL, and I know it sounds crazy because Figgy's a beast. Figgy's minus three hundred right now, but I I really think Alex Perez has a has a chance at it. The plus That's a 250. plus 525 line for anyone looking. You yeah, should make that head. leg kick KOTKO. Dude, you know I would if I could. You know if I would if I could. We take the same thing, clearly. No, Perez is a lethal guy. I love Figueroa, but I think the 250 line is steep. I If I had to obviously pick in a 110-110 scenario, I'd pick Figgy. But I'm going to be a man of the gambling man that I am. And I'm going to go uh, Alex Perez by KOTKO. Kobe, go ahead. Oh no! Yeah, we know where you are. Just say it. <laughs> BK. Echoing everything that said, Figgy's great everywhere. He's quick. He hits like a truck for how small he is. He's absolutely 
powerful as hell. Um, he trains wrestling by by taking down bulls on his ranch, by literally like getting in on Bevo and throwing him over his back onto Bevo's back. I mean, the dude's strong as hell. But Alex Perez is awesome too. He's got vicious calf kicks. He's got great BJJ. Underratedly, maybe even better than Figgy's. Uh, he trains with Cheeto Vera. I know that we saw what Cheeto's leg kicks did to the Sugar Show right away. I do not think that this fight will see the judges at all. That's an MMA capper DK guarantee. This fight will be a finish for sure. I think that Reese is right. You got to bet Alex Perez, but I'm not the man that he says he is at a minus 110, minus 110. I'm taking Figgy. I'm taking Figgy KOTKO. Okay. But don't be surprised if Alex Perez sneaks onto his play sheet this week. Oh, don't be surprised. It's almost a guarantee. He's <laughs> a lot of value. Kobe, DK, I'm with you guys. I am a very, very, very big fan of Davidson Figueredo. I see him being a longer-term champion than we think. He's a very marketable person as well. He's got great style. He doesn't speak English, but his mantra is very, like, immaculate and stoic. Even though he's 125, you wouldn't normally attribute stoic with, like, a shorter, smaller person. He still has kind of, like, a a stoic, um, almost, like, uh, unrealistic, like, sense to him. I know that he beat Joe B in the first fight and missed weight. Sucks. Whatever. He figured it out last fight, and he fucking dominated that fight as well. Alex Perez, definitely a worthy opponent, but I think Davison's hands are elite. Davison strikes. I believe I'll be betting this as well. I think this can be part of the parlay. Minus 130 clip on that. as well. Speaking of parlays. Take it. This is your segment. Take it. We have a new segment entering the ankle pick pod. This is really just a test week, but believe me, this will be back. This will be back and steady. <laughs> what we have is for each of our analysts, we're giving them one unit, and they can pick anything they so choose. They have to take that one unit and turn it into as many units as possible. It's our lottery ticket segment of the week. I'll kick it off. I've got myself a huge lottery ticket this week. Five legs to this parlay. We've got ourselves Valentina by KO. That's sitting at minus 110. We've got Lewis Cosi wins in round one. That's sitting at plus 105. We've got Daukus versus Stoltzfus over two and a half. That's sitting at minus two... Minus 125. Throw Royville by sub, plus 400. And Tim Means money line, plus 125 on that. That is one unit to win 78.25 units. A plus 7,825 bet for your first lottery ticket of the week. Let's see if it cashes. That's a great lottery ticket, Dan. I love it. I love this idea, too. This is We're all yeah. degenerate gamblers here. By the time Saturday night comes rolling around, there's a good chance we're down some units. Not when it comes to fights, though. We're plus units here on the pod. I also threw together a little scrappy parlay, and the reason why is because when the word degenerate comes up, my name also coincides. This parlay is Alex Perez money line. We got Tim Means money line. So Alex Perez plus 250. 
Tim Means plus 125, Jordan Wright plus 215. To cap it all off, just to make it a four-leg bad boy, we got Cynthia Calvillo minus 260. That's going to be a 33.35 to one parlay. This is when it starts to get a wee bit dicey. We're going to kind of continue to see if any of us hit this and if there's good money to be made, but it is a fun segment. Great idea. Parlay of the week. The official Inkle Pick Pod Parlay of the Week coming at you live. Davison Figueredo money line minus 300. Shevchenko inside the distance minus 175. I really like that line a lot. I'm not going to touch the Mike Perry fight. I'm going to put Brandon Royval as my third leg. That's going to be my entire parlay. If Royval doesn't win, I'm fucked. But Royval, Shevchenko inside distance. And Davison. Shiner, your parlay is sitting at a plus 455 clip. And I want to take a second to talk to you. Yeah, you, listener, that's listening. If you don't place each one of these parlays, you bet your ass that that's the week it's going to hit. Bingo. We all had a great time here. We ran a little longer than, than usual. We hope you enjoy your commute to work or whatever. We're going to continuously work to make this pod better. Please follow us over at Ankle Pick Pod. Also, our cappers all have Twitters. We got at KingpinMMA, at DK Capper MMA, or MMA Capper DK. MMA Capper. MMA Capper DK, and at MMA Macher, Max Shiner. Underscore. Underscore Maher. We got a full squad going on here. Our producer, Kobe Koritz, puts it all together. We couldn't do it without him. Pico de Gallarios, who probably will never attend another one of these, but we love him no matter what. But more than all that, we appreciate you listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. Engage with us on Twitter. We love you all. Cue the music. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.